The Doctor of Public Health, DRPH, is the most advanced professional degree in public health, and despite being around for over 100 years, it is not well known to the general public or even to public health professionals. The DRPH is considered a terminal professional degree in the field of public health. While the Masters of Public Health, MPH, is the most common and widely recognized degree for public health professionals, there are now more than 50 DRPH programs and they go a step further in terms of depth, complexity, and leadership preparation. My name is LaShawn, your host for this episode, alongside my co-host, Gordon. And in the next few episodes, we will take a deep dive to learn more about this degree. But we can't do this alone, so we invited two subject matter experts. Lauren Young-Iman is a third-year DRPH student at Georgia Southern University studying public health leadership. She also serves as the president for the DRPH Coalition, which is a professional association for doctors of public health. Her day job is as a project manager for primary care administration at Nuvon's Health, where she oversees multiple projects related to improving patient access, employee retention, strategic planning, and process improvement. Dr. Marissa Robinson is a strategic leader, visionary, and disruptor within the field of infectious disease. She focuses on HIV AIDS research, the need to increase opportunities, and diversity amongst the public health workforce. She currently leads as the Ending the HIV Epidemic Initiative Coordinator at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services within the Office of Infectious Disease and HIV AIDS Policy. Dr. Robinson completed her Doctor of Public Health degree as a Goal Seeker Scholar at Morgan State University's School of Community Health and Policy. She also serves as a Vice President of the DRPH Coalition. Lauren and Marissa, welcome to the Public Health Insight Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so this came about from a conversation I think LaShawn and Lauren have been talking about DRPH mm -hmm. programs, and I think it turned into why not come on the podcast to tell our audience, hundreds or thousands of people, about the DRPH program, and that gave birth to this episode that we're having right now. So we're very excited to talk to you about that. But before we learn more about the DRPH program, we like to learn more about the persons on the podcast. So we start these conversations with a fun exercise. And I would imagine that each of you, when you're going to a new place or if you're worried about getting lost, you pull out your phone and you go on Google Maps and then you plug in <laughs> such and such location and then you drive there, or navigate there on foot. Mm -hmm. So why mm -hmm. not do the same thing with how your careers unfolded today? So let's mm -hmm. visualize your careers as a, you know, Google Maps. And I'll start with you first, Marissa. Early in your career, and this is something that stood out to me in your bio, you mm -hmm. joined the U.S. Peace Corps. Mm-hmm as a community health worker in Togo? Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we get, first of all, how do we get into that and then to where you right. are now after that? Right. Like I think fill in the right. blanks there. Twist turns, sure. detours, Absolutely. traffic. Yeah. Lots, lots of those. Yeah. All that. All okay. that. Let's a lot hear of it. detours, 
a lot of head scratching, mm. a lot of we might need a wrong exit, Katie getting off at the wrong <laughs> yeah, exit. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. of those things, all of the analogies you could think of, let's throw them in the in the bucket all right, here. Let's do it. So I graduated from Spelman and I thought I'm that girl. I just graduated from the number one historically black college and university. Obviously, I'm going to apply to master's of public health programs right out of undergrad. And they laughed in my face and said, girl, you need work experience. Mm. And I was like, I worked over the summer in college. That doesn't count. And they were like, no. So I was like, okay. So then I looked at all the opportunities that were available in public health at the time. And a lot of them were unpaid. And I was like, wow, this is not ideal at all. And how am I going to transition into a field that I'm really trying to help others when I get no money? And that was like a life lesson early on, but mm -hmm. we'll get to that later. So then from that point, I started to apply to different internships and worked as a research assistant in several different capacities. And during that time, I always was really interested. There was a recruiter that would come to Morehouse College, Spelman College, and Clark Atlanta University in Atlanta, Georgia, and would come and talk about the Peace Corps program and how it was a great opportunity for students of color to be able to have a global experience. And I always was interested in helping others. I did like Habitat for Humanity growing up and through like different philanthropic humanitarian efforts like through my church so i knew that i had like this desire to help others that were either marginalized or less fortunate or didn't have the same advantages that i had so i knew that peace corps existed but i had no idea where i could be stationed of course i put on my application like fiji and like um polynesian islands or something and i was just like oh yeah i'm gonna go like a million miles away and I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to just serve and dip South Africa. I just put like random things. And when Peace Corps got back to me, they were like, girl, those are like some of the most competitive programs to get into. You're not, you're not going to get into those, but how about Togo? And I was like, I don't even know where Togo is. I had never heard of it. So then when I looked it up on the map and saw that it was near Ghana, I was like, okay, this could work like West Africa. There's probably some connection there, but I was really open to it, but then they told me they spoke French. I spoke zero French. So I was like, there really must be some need there. So it was a learning curve for me and a bit of reverse culture shock, but I initially applied to Peace Corps because I knew that not a lot of people of color participate in the Peace Corps program traditionally. And then going to an African country at that, there was a lot of reverse culture shock of, oh, you're a lighter complexion but you're not white you don't have any like white heritage or are you are both of your parents really fair-skinned or just like a lot of different things dealing with skin color and other things that we had to unpack but it was amazing to have that experience and it really catapulted me into public health and global health which is really what my first passion was getting into this field so after my peace corps experience i came back home and I had the opportunity to go to some career development panels to figure out what jobs I wanted to do. Because after you do the Peace Corps, because technically you are a federal government employee, mm. the U.S. federal government employee at the time. And so you get something called NCE or non-competitive eligibility. And what that basically means is you are put in a category of being able to apply to federal jobs as a civilian that other civilians were not be able to be in the same pool for. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I went to a federal government kind of non-competitive eligibility uh, like job fair. And so I got to speak to a lot of different 
recruiters and individuals from different federal agencies. And I ended up talking to somebody that was at the Ryan White program at the Health Resources and Services Administration. And they talked to me about the Ryan White program, which basically helps persons that are currently living with HIV or newly diagnosed with HIV. And I knew that this was an area that I had some research experience in because in high school, I did some HIV research at the Institute of Human Virology. And that really started my career in public health. And I actually started as a chemistry major in undergrad. And I quickly and surely learned that was not my ministry. I was too social to be in some lab. And I knew that I wanted to be outside talking to people and getting in people's business and trying to help people and connect things. So I went and pivoted to social science and majored in psychology. But I double minored in public and environmental health because I knew that I loved the environment, but I also wanted to help people. And so when I merged the two together, that's what kind of led me into Peace Corps and then to this federal job fair, which then landed me at HRSA for the first kind of year of my actual big girl job. And so as I got the experience there, I learned that there was a lot of glass ceilings, not only for individuals who just recently graduated, but for individuals of color and then for women. And so being a woman of color, I said, okay, there's a lot of barriers here. There's a lot of things that I need to overcome and you can't move up unless you have advanced degrees. And that's where it kind of starts. If you have 20 years of experience in an undergrad degree, that's great for you, but Who's doing that? Not That is the older generation. And the newer generation is like, you need to have advanced degrees. So that's when I started to pursue MPH degrees. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do an MPH full-time and work full-time. So I then moved back to Atlanta and went to Emory Rollins School of Public Health, where I majored in global health and I minored in infectious disease. And I got a certificate in sociocontextual determinants of health, which now is like social determinants of health is like that girl once again. And it's so weird because we've been doing that work for decades, decades, and we've done syndemic work for decades, but we love to come up with new buzzwords in the public health field. Um, so that kind of led me in the public health space to work at CDC, CDC Foundation, and I got a lot of different experiences coming out of Rollins, and I knew that while I was in my master's, I said, okay, girl, are we going to go and get this terminal degree, or are we just going to go and work? A lot of MPH students are taught that, okay, if you would like to get a terminal degree, these are the things that you have to do. And not a lot of students go directly after their MPH. They might stop, work for a few years, and then consider it. But for me, I said, Marissa is not going to stop and start again. We are going to go straight through because from undergrad to master's, I had three years that I did Peace Corps and I worked for those years as well. So I knew that I had some gap years, so that gave me a really good foundation to get my master's and then go into a DRPH. But for me, I wasn't stopping again and doing some gap years. So I knew I wanted to go all the way through. So in my second semester, first and second semester of my second year of my MPH, I was applying to DRPH programs, which then led me to get out of my master's program into a DRPH program at Morgan State University in Baltimore. So I moved back home because I'm originally from Maryland. And so I moved back home, started at the DRPH program in Morgan, and then started at my current federal job at the Office of the Assistant Secretary for Health. 
I worked full time while I was doing my DRPH, which is not something mm. you can do at a PhD program. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into that a little later. Oh. But I think oh. it's really important for people to understand that when you are getting out of a master's program, you have a skill set. You have a special niche and skill set, and there is a lot of jobs out there, but it is so highly competitive. And when you are at some of the premier research institutions, it can be a very cutthroat and toxic environment. And so figuring out how to set yourself apart from the masses is a really a, an important skill set that you need to learn early on in your career. And I think getting the DRPH does that for a lot of individuals, because when you look across the public health spectrum, across the career space that we have here, not a lot of people have the DRPH. And I think that that is one of the things that kind of drew me to it. And the fact that I could work full time and still pursue the degree and be able to come out of school with not only having this wealth of knowledge, but also being able to use what I'm using in the classroom in the real life experience. So I wanted to make and tie a bow on the, the fact that one, there were a lot of detours. There were a lot of, you need to go take your GRE scores again, because those aren't looking too hot. But just because a closed door <laughs> happened doesn't mean that you can't reroute and open a window over here and still reach the stars and figure out what you want to do and what you're passionate about. I started as a chemistry major. That was not my ministry. And that's okay. Public health might not be your ministry. And that's okay. Being a practitioner or being a physician or being a lawyer or, or whatever your field is, it might not be what your end all is going to be. But that's the beauty of public health is every and anything is public health. And so I always encourage folks that are even remotely interested to pursue it and think about it. Because even getting this experience and having a master's in public health can open up so many doors that makes you different and sets you apart from the masses that also have the other degrees that you might have behind your name. That's incredible. And I'm sure there's more. There's more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, Lauren, if we plugged your career path into this GPS, what would it spit out? It would spit out basically moving farther and farther away from my hometown. Mm. So I did my undergrad at Michigan State. I'm originally from the west side, so right on Lake Michigan. I'm from Michigan, lived on Lake Michigan. And so when I graduated, I wanted to go to a really big university because I grew up in a tiny little town with like 5,000 people in it. Um, and so I went to Michigan State. It has like 50,000 people in it. I had a great four-year experience and then decided I've always loved healthcare. So I went to the University of Michigan, which is in Ann Arbor, so a little farther away from home. And then was there for two years doing research coordinator role for a pretty large grant, looking at improving outcomes for people. Then two, two and a half years into that role, my husband got a job out in Boston. And so we moved all the way out to Boston. So I went from my tiny little town to Boston, which was quite a different environment. And I worked at Harvard for almost two years. This, uh, it was Harvard Center for Primary Care. So my role there was really to look at rolling out process improvement projects for primary care practices around the Boston area. 
And then after that, I worked at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, which is a pretty large academic medical center. They had just gotten a funded grant, so I was the program manager for it. I basically helped you know, get the project off the ground. It focused on improving the transition from the hospital to skilled nursing facilities for patients that just had hip surgery, just you know, had uh, a big surgery or a big uh, inpatient stay, needed, some, needed to go to a skilled nursing facility instead of go home, going home. A lot of times those patients get readmitted, they have issues, and so this project was trying to just make that a more streamlined process and help them not be readmitted to the hospital. And then started thinking about settling down and buying a house. I don't know if anyone's been to Boston, but it's very expensive. So we moved out to Connecticut, Danbury, Connecticut, which is right on the New York-Connecticut border. And I now work at New Vance Health, which is a pretty large health system in between Connecticut and New York. It has hospitals and practices all in that region. Um, so I'm a project manager for primary care. So I help them do a bunch of different projects related to patient access, turnover reduction, financial strength, strategy. So anything that they want to get done within our practices, I try to help them accomplish. So I kind of see myself, I'm on the cusp of healthcare and public health. I kind of hang out in the two groups, did a master's degree from East Tennessee State University online, and now in my DRPH at Georgia Southern. So also online. I don't commute to Georgia or anything. I love that. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get into the DRPH stuff. So you're both involved in this association called the DRPH Coalition. Can you talk about your respective roles and tell us more about the DRPH Coalition? Yes. So DRPH Coalition, it was started out by a group of folks that were currently getting their DRPH that wanted to have a safe space and community that was specifically built to not only foster relationships and networks, but also happen to have career development, membership engagement, as well as figuring out how to put DRPHers essentially on the map and in the field in the fields of public health in all our various ways. And so in 2019, we established ourselves as a 501c3 and moving into 2020, obviously something huge happened, aka the <laughs> pandemic, that just catapulted everybody on their heads. And so as the coalition, we were able to move everything virtually, but obviously there was still a lot that was happening in public health. Everyone thought they were an epidemiologist by reading blogs, but we won't get into that. And so the it was a lot of things that the coalition was able to do, like special editions and have special reports and be able to highlight some of the members. But we are an organization that really fosters community for folks that are pursuing the DRPH or recent graduates from DRPH programs. And we have, you know, several programs globally, but we have over, you know, 20 different programs within the U.S. US. And it's great to see that we have such a large reach. We have over 400 something members at this time. And some of them are recent graduates. Some of them are current students. We have prospective students. We have folks that are allies who aren't official members, but they are you know, here for the cause and wanna see us grow and thrive. So we really pride ourselves on what we're doing. And Lauren and I are recently newly elected individuals. And so we just wanna do this refresh of like we're still in a pandemic we all know that but we are in this space of like doing somewhat of a refresh of we really want to bring new voices new faces and try to bring more notoriety to uh this discipline Mm -hmm. and lauren you can fill in there 
Yes, and Marissa is actually our vice president, newly elected vice president, and I am the newly elected president. So I've been with the coalition for about two and a half years. I was a director of operations first, and basically, I mean, just echoing everything Marissa said, I think it started off as like a pizza party in Boston with all the different <laughs> programs that are in Boston, because Boston has like three or four programs. So they kind of got together, and then they were like, hey, we should just make like our own organization for us, because there's really nothing else that is just for DRPHers. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's APHA, there's, um, you know, associations for public health, there's associations for doctors, there's associations for all kinds of other things. We are really the only one for just DRPHers. And so we're really, we're, like Marissa said, we, now that we have some new faces in, you know, in the leadership roles, we have quite a large, uh, you know, pretty decent sized leadership team of seven people. And then we have some committee folks that work on some of our projects. And so we're really trying to make our reach even bigger in terms of mm-hmm. making sure that people know that we're here. We work a lot with the program directors at the different programs around the country. So we have a quarterly meeting where they all get to come together and like talk to each other, which never happens. Um, and so I think it's just a, it's a really, it's a very new space. We're like a startup kind of, kind of vibe sometimes. <laughs> we have to do yeah. a lot of, of the day-to-day dirty work, but it's a really exciting, I think it's an exciting thing because there's just so much opportunity to mm-hmm. be a resource and be a support for everyone, you know, and, and, and it really help make, ele- you know, elevate this degree and, and bring it to the next level. So we are a diverse and multicultural group of DRPHers, and we want to advance not only justice, but equity, innovation, and public health by collaboratively empowering and connecting individuals, organizations, and programs. And our vision for the coalition is to have a healthy, equitable world where DRPHers are integrated and integral agents for social change. And we cultivate a community of public health and DRPH practitioners who are catalysts for social change and advancing health equity. Because several barriers exist in the field of public health where DRPHers are not where they should be. And we connect so many people together. We bring so many different levels of expertise that unfortunately those that have, no shade, MDs or PhDs Mm -hmm. just aren't as integral and aren't as multifaceted as DRPHers are. And so we have our, our nation's scientists, right? who is someone who traditionally has had a PhD. And we have our nation's medical doctor, which is the Surgeon General. But for the person who leads in public health, they should have a DRPH. And so really bringing and breaking down those barriers that we have seen in the past, specifically when we're talking about the field of medicine, science, and public health, because it's all interdisciplinary, we really have to bring the DRPH to the forefront. And that's really like the biggest goal that we have for the coalition. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, Be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.